Welcome to Hearsay Social on the Air, episode 42. Jackie Robinson's number. And the answer to life, the universe, and everything, according to Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. A very special episode. Quite. It's one of my favorite numbers. from New York City. Welcome to Hearsay Social on the Air. I'm Victor Gaxiola. New York, New York. The city's so nice, they named it twice. And I'm kicking off today's show from Grand Central Terminal, deep in the heart of Manhattan, in what will become a two-part series of podcasts with today's focused on customer success and marketing. And then next week's show, focusing on some of the individuals in our New York office that work in sales. It seems appropriate that we would kick off the show here at Grand Central just because of the iconic nature not only of this building but the fact that from a social context it's always been a meeting point and a way station for travelers, commuters and also tourists alike. It's a majestic building often featured in a number of different films. Uh, one that comes to mind and I think the one that really caught my attention, an older film, The Fisher King with Robin Williams and uh, Jeff Bridges highly recommend you check it out. Uh, a scene where the commuters all of a sudden break out into ballroom dancing. Now obviously you can hear a lot of the background noise here in New York and so throughout the podcast we're going to be capturing the sounds of New York City almost as a separate character that helps us through the transitions and also works through those small nooks and crannies of the podcast to add a little bit of color. We certainly hope you enjoy those. So in today's episode, we're going to focus on our customer success dream team and some of the individual members that make up our New York team. So I'll introduce you to Karen, Austin, and Weifung. And then a little later in today's podcast, we'll be talking to our marketing team and very specifically the two individuals that really do all of our event planning. So I'll introduce you to Amanda and, of course, Molly. 
we really hope you enjoy this series and that you uh, stick around for all the extra special sound bites that we hope to capture during our brief visit here. Next week's show, we'll be focusing on our sales department. We've got an uh, interview, a very lively and fun interview, with uh, Mike and Connor from our sales team here in New York City. And we hope that uh, you'll tune in next week to take a listen to that show. So with that, we hope you enjoy the interviews with our employees here in the New York office. Welcome to New York. All right, so excited to be here in New York City. And I'm sitting here with Karen, Weifung, and Austin of our customer success dream team. And uh, so welcome to the show. Thank you. So excited to be back. I've been hanging out in New York, walking around this morning. I got to start off, before we go into the introductions, can you guys like slow down? I mean, the whole of New York is just like, always like going to go, 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 go. So why don't we go around the room here and introduce yourselves? We'll start with Karen. Sure. My name is Karen Zabel. I'm the Director of Customer Success uh, for the East Coast at Hearsay Social, and I'm excited to be here and chat with you today. Great. Hi, um, I'm Wei Fong Zhu. I'm a Customer Success Manager in New York, and I'm equally as excited as Karen. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Austin Money. I'm an Advanced Product Specialist on the Customer Success team. Well, something you may not know is Austin and I started on the exact same day. (laughs) Yeah. So in March of uh, last year, yeah. We joined, and I stayed in San Francisco, and mm-hmm. you came out to New York, yeah, and, and such. My first week of training, yeah, out there, and we did all of our different sessions and together you, that week. So. Yeah, kind of overwhelming at least <laughs> at first. Yeah, so for people who don't know who joined Hearsay Social, you go through an orientation period, like most organizations. You come out to San Francisco, you understand about the culture and the product. Well, it was really impressive to me, and it's come up in previous podcasts when we interviewed other employees is the fact that you will have lunch or you will have a session with Clara mm-hmm. or with Steve or with someone in the senior leadership team. It just kind of sets, if you will, the bar really high as it relates to what the expectations are, but at the same time, so you understand the culture, you understand what we're doing. But uh, why don't we start off with background? So we'll start with Austin. Tell us, you know, we started on the same day, but where, where were you before? Um, so I was originally in, in California working in, in the Bay Area, um, Palo Alto, mm-hmm. um, for a small education technology startup called Guru. Um, I was on their content operations team doing kind of product management type work, project management type work, and I moved out to New York back around August of 2013 when my girlfriend got accepted to NYU for law school. and so. We decided to make that move out here to, to New York. Mm-hmm. And during our time transitioning, looking for new jobs, um, I came across Hearsay Social actually through the Stanford Alumni Career Connect. Um, of all people, Clara posted the position that uh, I was hired for, the mm-hmm. product specialist role. And um, all the rest is history. Yeah. Now I'll point out, I mean, you can't see this obviously because it's an audio, but he's wearing Cardinal Red. So it is Stanford Proud Alumni. And, or Hearsay Red. Yeah. Or Hearsay Ish Red, right? So very proud alumni. And you're right. I think it, I think it might have helped you, Austin, that the two co founders went to Stanford, which is a good thing. But I know you're a very loyal fan and a Pac 12 enthusiast. So welcome. Yes. How, about, how about yourself? 
Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I've basically, before Hearsay, I spent many, many years in investment banking and a large financial services uh, <laughs> bank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and basically, it was a very interesting time. Um, had a really great time with everybody there, but decided that it was time to move on to something else. And so... I decided to leave my position there, went traveling for about a good six months, hit about nine countries, and then finally when I came back to New York, I met some hearsay people at mm-hmm. a very random event, and um, you know they told me to come in and spoke with a few people, really, really loved the culture here, and decided to come. Well, Wayne Fine, you, you represent, much like myself and others that we've hired since then, and I'm thinking Nicole Johnson from BlackRock, I've had experience working in the industry in the past, which is something I think we've started to take a little bit more of an interest as an organization just to make that association. But that's all well and good, but what nine countries did you go to? That's where, <laughs> that's where I really want to know. Yeah, it, it's been a while since I had to think of the list, but I think among the countries were Iceland, uh, Burma, and Myanmar. Um, uh, where else did I go? I also went to... I'm drawing a blank right now. <laughs> oh, so, but, yeah. but then that means it was a really good trip. Yeah, I really like oh, Belize, Costa Rica, uh, Mexico, um, and then I went to somewhere else in Asia as well. Wow, so, quite a variety. Yeah, it was uh, sort of all over the place, um, but it was a really good time to relax, you know, indulge in other cultures, mm-hmm. met a lot of people from around the world, so now I'm waking up in the middle of the night by IMs, like I'm woken up by middle, like by IMs in the middle of the night from people in international countries, but it's all good. <laughs> Friends around the world. Awesome. Yeah. And how about yourself, Karen? Now you've been here for quite some time. You're one of our more legacy employees. Yeah, I've uh, been at Hearsay for just over three years. Wow. And having a really great time. So. Yeah. And where were you before? Or what were you doing then? Prior to Hearsay, I spent about five or six years in the customer reference marketing world and mm-hmm. uh, doing some consulting for Microsoft and other large technology companies around how we tell really great customer stories about how people are using product and how product is making them more effective and productive in their workspace. Mm-hmm. So Hearsay was, a, when I read the job description actually for a customer success executive when I started at Hearsay, I thought, my name is written all over this because it was talking to customers, working with customers to make them more effective, but also um, telling stories. And I love the whole storytelling part of the customer success team and making sure that people are you know, getting the value out of our product that they, they want. Now, when you were hired, was there a New York office or were you one of the first people to work here? I don't remember specifically. I don't think there was. Mm-hmm. Um, the New York office didn't really start to kick off well into uh, maybe 2013, mm-hmm. uh, one of our sales uh, senior leaders out here developed the office and the first customer success person, Jen Leopold, um, came out here about two years ago. Mm-hmm. And that really spurred up, you know, you have to be, if you want to be with your customers and you want to communicate with them in person and we work in financial services, you have to be in Manhattan. So sure. in the last year or so, I started in New York uh, about a little over a year ago, and we went from being about 12 people, and now we're about 30, which is a huge, yeah. um, a positive change. I'd mm-hmm. say the growth in this office has been amazing, and, mm-hmm. and the focus on customers in Manhattan, and, and specifically the East Coast, has been phenomenal. Something that we've mentioned in the past is that we do a weekly meeting, you know, for the entire organization. It's in all hands and it's getting a little bit more challenging now because of the various time zones. So 
we have a three-hour time difference between San Francisco and New York, but now we need to account for our London office mm -hmm. and then the Hong Kong office. And as this office has grown, it's interesting because we're sitting in a room that I recognize now as the one where the New York office comes <laughs> together on those calls, and it's getting harder and harder for everybody to fit, you know, within the screen, you know, because we have the video we're kind of conference calls. But you get to know people. It is, well. and this awesome. is a fun group. And as uh, you know, throughout this process, and I was really excited about coming out and hitting the road and, and doing, you know, taking the podcast on the road uh, to interview the folks here in New York. We were trying to do this during your offsite in uh, San Francisco because you were all out there a few weeks ago, um, but uh, it just didn't work out. So I said, hey, I'm going to be in New York and uh, I'll just bring the digital recorder. So why don't we talk a little bit about what you do? So we're, you're all part of the customer success team and we've uh, profiled Julia, we've profiled Sarah, we've talked to a number of different people who work in the customer success organization, but I was curious about your roles and uh, we'll start again with Austin. So tell us, Austin, what is it that you do to really help our customers? Yeah, so again, I'm, I'm an advanced product specialist just like uh, Julia. Mm -hmm. So I, day in and day out, help to support our customers with whatever questions they may have. So mm -hmm. if they call in or email support at hearsaysocial.com, um, they'll reach myself, Julia, or another member of our team, or actually a few others, but um, I have a specific set of organizations that I'm responsible for mm -hmm. to be more knowledgeable about um, kind of the ins and outs of how they are strategically set up. In that way, I can help them be successful on our platform um, to reach their goals. Well, and I gotta give Austin a massive shout out. And let me tell you why. Because I monitor a lot of the Twitter feed, you know, as far as the people tweeting to Hearsay Social or sending messages to Facebook. And so typically it's very early in the morning when I'm paying attention. Uh, usually I'm a commute up to work. And I gotta tell you, I think in the past couple of months, I think two or three times there's been an inquiry that's come in through Twitter and there's a need for someone who has a question or they're having a challenge and you've been my go-to consistent because I know you're in the office and I'll reach out to Austin I'll say hey Austin can you take a look at this and you've nailed it you know you go back and you, you work with the people and kind of help resolve this and I love the ability that we're listening to our clients we're listening to the people and we're able to turn that so Thank yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, I really think it's great that uh, you and I are just able to like instantly connect mm -hmm. and get things resolved in, in real time to help out those customers. All right. How about you, Wayfong? Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess in my daily role, well, I guess it's changing now that most of the organizations I work with are you know, deploying more strategically and growing their base instead of sort of in the initial implementation phase. But I mean... I guess when you think about what the customer success manager does is that we work with organizations from a wide variety of financial services areas and we basically help them become very, very successful in our product, not only from implementation, but also a deployment, onboarding, and ongoing strategic support um, sort of perspective. Mm -hmm. And so my day-to-day -day role really involves just chatting with these, you know, project leads within or program leads within the organization, making sure they're very comfortable in, you know, the way that they manage their prog their program and that everything is going well and you know from time to time when they're ready for it we push them to the next step which mm -hmm. is you know either you know training the advisors and agents on other things or it's you know creating other strategic initiatives within the firm so it's been really great so far 
I'm sorry. I'm just hearing sirens. I'm hearing all kinds of noise. I mean, this is very authentic, right? It's just like, I almost feel like the fourth person we're talking to here is actually the city of New York, which is yeah. right right behind us. Too so this is good. Clients have been saying to me, Karen, are you getting uh, arrested or something? There's a lot of alarms going off. I know. The background noise is incredible yeah. here. Yeah, and I've become more sensitive to it just because I'll hear, as a matter of fact, uh, in Studio 360, which is where we typically record the podcast uh, back in San Francisco, there is a clock, right? And it's got a battery, and you can hear the tick, tick, tick. And I'm so, I've gotten so sensitive that I actually remove the battery from the clock because I can actually hear the tick, tick, tick. I can't remove I can't st- I can't open the window and tell New York to, like, keep it down, you know? I can't do that. Um, I did want to ask you a question, though. Given your background in financial services, how do you think that's helped you in the work that you're doing? Yeah, I think it helps me communicate with the clients, um, you know, in their language. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of times, you know, financial services, they have special expectations or specific expectations, really, of how, you know, this program should be managed. And so I think it gives me a little bit more leverage in terms of negotiating with them as to, you know, what they should do next or what they should be doing right now. Um, It also makes them feel a little bit more comfortable when they talk to me because you know I do have a financial services background I know exactly how compliance heavy these some of these organizations can be mm-hmm. and I know you know how to sort of how that whole process works to get certain things through legal mm-hmm. and compliance and so they feel a little bit more they feel pretty comfortable <laughs> when I'm on the phone with them <laughs> and then Karen in the three years that you've been in hearsay social has it always been in the same role or tell us a little bit about how it's evolved for you yeah, so I started in a customer success executive role um, mm-hmm. in 2012 in San Francisco, actually. Mm-hmm. And I got to work with some of our top customers and current customers today, building their program similar to what Wei Fang was talking about, going through some of the implementation phases and seeing from the beginning and the infancy of their program, and then seeing the whole you know, process of maturing and being a more strategic customer for, ours, uh, mm-hmm. for our clients. And, and now, um, so about a year and a half ago, I moved over to New York. I was looking for some new challenges and new things to do with my career and saw the opportunity of so much growth in New York. And it just made me so excited to see how the customer success team was evolving in New York and how can I help that team with product knowledge, with training and coaching. Because when you work in a remote office and there's only a couple of you, you don't get that daytime you know, engineering chat that Julia Winder was talking about mm-hmm. in a recent podcast. You don't get that, um, that communication all the time. And I wanted, since I focused so much on product when I was in San Francisco, I wanted to bring that knowledge out to New York and help the team and, and really um, grow my career as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm now working in you know, New York and, and never look back. I, I love <laughs> San Francisco, but New York has its uh, you know, fast-paced, exciting environment that I love to be a part of. Well, fast pace one, and the, the second thing I wanted to point out is you said Julia's last name correctly. It is Winder. I totally butchered it in hers, and I got a little flack for it. But anyway, so Julia, if you're listening, I apologize. That was the official correction. <laughs> That's my official correction. <laughs> official correction. So I'm going to throw this out to everybody. So insofar as the work that you're doing and working with our clients, what do you think continues to be some of the biggest challenges Uh, in embracing and adopting digital technology? Well, I think um, more recently I was speaking with a client and helping them with sort of their strategic, you know, next steps. And one of the things that they say is that a lot of these institutions are extremely old and have been around for, you know, many, many years, not like not just 50 or 60, but sometimes hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about an organization 
that is trying to move forward on a digital area, right? That involves a lot of IT work, a lot of collaborative processes within an organization. It's incredibly tough because when you think about their existing IT framework or their existing programmatic and organizational framework, it's like literally like a ton of different systems that don't necessarily talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And it's extremely hard to get everybody together and all the systems together in one place to move forward on a large social initiative. And so I think that's one of the major challenges that we're facing um, in terms of, you know, adoption and just moving the industry forward because they are working with, you know, an infrastructure that is really not equipped to move as fast as we'd like it to be in the social realm. Mm In my experience, um, a lot of these programs are really new, and so you're kind of carving the way. In many cases, the customers I worked with and when I started at Hearsay, the social program didn't even really exist. It was part of a marketing program, and now we're seeing these marketing managers grow into a very specific social media and digital role as they find new ways to enhance their business. And actually, I was at a women's um, conference um, in Chicago with Investment News yesterday, and I've done several conferences over the last few years, and you always start out, you know, who's using social media today, mm-hmm. and uh, who's using LinkedIn? And in the past, you, you'd ask the question, maybe a couple hands would get raised, and they feel kind of uncomfortable because mm-hmm. they're the only ones in the audience. And yesterday, we asked that question, and hands just shot up in the air. Mm. And the challenges that we saw about social media being such a barrier and being so cumbersome to, to leverage for their business, I'm seeing advisors really make that transition now. So some of the challenges of, you know, what do I say on social or how do I you know, use social for my business, some of those challenges are starting to disappear, which is really great. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that has to do with a lot with the customer success team and specifically what Austin's team is doing with helping the advisors one-on-one. Mm-hmm. How do I get more fans on my Facebook business page? How do I get more connections on LinkedIn? What do I post? And so it's exciting to see how that trend is changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree that working with uh, Asian and advisors, uh, one of the kind of main parts of it is just the education. Um, they may not understand when first getting started why Facebook Facebook even exists or why LinkedIn exists. Why should I even be using it? So, getting um, sitting down with them and helping them wrap their heads around why it even should be used and then why it's acceptable and how it can impact their business. Um, I think that's a really key component of helping them uh, get get started mm-hmm. uh, at the ground level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm finding consistently that people are less and less questioning the, the why, you know, why should we be doing this? And we, what we're finding at a lot of these conferences, especially like the women's, uh, what was the women's? Advisor Summit. The Women's Advisor Summit was that they're really saying how, you know, how can we do this better? Uh, who's doing it well? What are the best practices? So it's no longer convincing them if they if they should be doing it, it's just like how can how can we get better at this and what does it mean? And it always what what always seems to be the answer is content and thought mm-hmm. leadership. That seems to seems to be the next you know the answer to that question. So working with our clients, I'm curious. What do you enjoy most about the work that you do? I really enjoy the, the challenges of creating priorities for, for myself. On, on a given day, I probably have to answer 40 to 50 questions. Hmm. And during that day, I have to kind of 
read through all of them and get a sense of what is the urgency of this? Is it an actual product issue for us? Um, will it need to be escalated to our engineering team? Is it more of a question of maybe our product should actually function a different way? Um, and that might spark a discussion between some members of my team or our product managers or engineers. Um, but otherwise, it's just kind of quick like FAQ type questions that um, different uh, agents or advisors may have about LinkedIn, Facebook, or just logging into our platform or um, updating their, their LinkedIn profile to be compliant. Mm -hmm. Now, is that something you've always enjoyed? You know, kind of problem solving and... Yeah, I, I really enjoy uh, the, the problem solving and the product aspects of it all. It's just one big puzzle every single day. <laughs> and so it, 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 it's always a challenge and our product is continuously evolving. So mm -hmm. I have to kind of stay knowledgeable and right at the top with what's coming out and um, make sure that I'm well-educated and I can also disperse that knowledge amongst uh, the people within here Safe Social that I'm, that I'm working with. So then that way we're all working um, efficiently. Yeah, it's not unlike Julia Winder's <laughs> response to the same question so far as that, you know, there's no atypical day. I mean, it's, every day is different and that's what kind of what makes it mm -hmm. really exciting. What do you think? I think there's a lot of different things about this position that make it awesome. First mm -hmm. of all, that there are a ton of different challenges every day that you can deal with. But I think for myself, um, this whole strategic aspect of helping a large organization, which has consistently been fairly conservative probably in the past, move to something that is less conservative mm -hmm. now and driving that forward, just pushing them into the digital age and having a hand in that has been extremely fulfilling. And, you know, just coming from a very conservative financial services background, um, I know how these organizations work. Mm -hmm. And it was really just a shocker to me when I came to hearsay as to how open that the organizations that we work with on a daily basis are to these new product changes that we're releasing, these new social initiatives that we are telling them are really great and they are great, and just how willing they are to open, you know, sort of their eyes and move forward into the new direction. Mm -hmm. And so it's just been really fulfilling to be a part of that whole process and to help guide them and, and move them forward, as well as the end users, as well as you know the agents and advisors that we work with on a consistent basis, just moving them all into the new digital future. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because we had uh, a team from Raymond James come down to our office in San Francisco. And, uh, and to them, it was, I think, kind of interesting just to see how we work uh, as an organization. We're open, you know, office environment. There's no offices. We have a lot of conference rooms. There's a lot of collaboration, somewhat playful, if you will, but the work gets done. And so, I, I mean, I would agree with you completely, and this is something that I really enjoy having worked in the industry. What I really work, enjoy is showing people kind of a new way or challenging to think differently. Yeah. Um, in the Advisor of the Future presentations we've been doing, um, one of the prescriptions or solutions as far as the best practices to things that organizations should do, either firms or individual practices, is we challenge them to change their mindset, you know, because it is this hard wiring that for the long time, very traditional approach to business to say, if you're looking to attract new talent, if you're looking to bring in the next generation of advisors or agents or wholesalers, right. and if you want to attract that, you do have to kind of change your mindset because you're competing against 
organizations like Good Hearsay <laughs> Social or other organizations that are much more progressive in their approach, where they really champion things like authenticity and yeah. transparency. So having worked for very large organizations and financial services, one of the things that was extremely refreshing to me and almost shocking was that this company is having a weekly all-hands kind of call um, that our senior leadership, after meeting with the board, will talk to us openly about the discussions they had with the board. Um, that there is a, a resolution process, that there's a lot of processes that if you have an issue, you know, that you can roll it up that, you know, you, we all know that if we had to, we could easily talk to both Steve or Claire directly if something came up. And that's really refreshing. I think it's something that other organizations find pretty fascinating. Right, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've talked to a lot of organizations, and they've all wanted to come and visit us and <laughs> check out our offices. I think a few of them have, and they, they just love it. I mean, they love how open it is. They call it, well, as you call it, the dream team. <laughs> and they love saying hi to everyone, and they just love how you know close-knit we are and how you know involved with all different areas of the business we are, whereas, you know, in a larger organization, things are probably a little bit more segmented and controlled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of our clients say that working with hearsay is their favorite part of the day. Cause oh, wow. We're, we're social, you know, social media is fun, and the people they work with and, and mm -hmm. our team across the board from engineering and product and customer success yes. is, is phenomenal. So in the time you've been here, Karen, I'm sure you're, as the, as the role has evolved and, you know, starting in San Francisco and then coming to New York, what would you say is some, some of the work that you enjoy most or what you enjoy most about the work that you do? You know, at the end of the day, I just want to make sure that we're making an impact on the world and helping people. It's kind of the philosophy that I have in life. And nothing makes me more excited to talk to an advisor who said, because these advisors are basically small and medium business owners. Mm -hmm. They're starting things from scratch and they're entrepreneurs. And if I feel like something that we're doing, the product we're building is helping an advisor build their business or give really great financial advice to their clients and helping um, people make better decisions, that, that makes me really excited. It makes me feel like I'm doing something good for people mm -hmm. if I'm helping businesses grow. Yeah. Now I'm looking right. Everybody's nodding their heads, which is true. I think we all kind of subscribe to that. And if you weren't nodding your heads, this would probably be your last day working here. So. <laughs> so from your perspective, you know, and looking at all three here, what do you think about the industry? Where do you think it's going? I think so. This conference I went to yesterday, it's exciting to see not just um, how advisors are evolving with social media, but just general digital uh, mm -hmm. phases and world. And actually, one of the sessions that I found most interesting, of course, was about how um, advisors are incorporating other like phone apps and digital technology into their daily practice. Mm -hmm. How can they use Expensify or the app Out of Work or Out of Milk? or um, Dropbox or Box to help them manage their business and actually not have a huge you know, paper profile questionnaire that goes to their clients. Everything is done digitally. Mm -hmm. So what's exciting to see is that not only from a social media perspective, but across the board, how do these advisors make their lives more productive? Because at the end of the day, it's more important for them to be meeting clients in person, learning more about who they are and how they can help them with their business or their, their lives and their financial decisions. They don't want to be spending time writing out things on, on questionnaires or you know managing papers. So mm -hmm. I think it's exciting to see the industry move in that direction. That's good. That's good. Yeah, definitely. I would agree that like with anything, it's survival of the fittest. If you don't adapt, <laughs> you're gonna you're not going to survive. And so, by finding these new technologies in the digital digital era that create these greater efficiencies for you with with any work with anybody, 
um, I think it, it makes a huge difference and for us to be able to provide targeted and strategic advice to these organizations I think is, is huge. Uh, I'm going to bring Austin on the road with me because that is exactly one of the things that we say from conceptually and the advisor of the future is this idea of digital Darwinism <laughs> and, and, the, and, the, and you know the digital Darwinism basically the basis of the origin of the species was that it's not necessarily the strongest that survive but it's the ones that are willing to adapt right so it's and this is what we're seeing. Yeah, full, full disclosure, I've studied biology, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. We'll, be, we'll, we'll do that in the next podcast. We'll go deep into your background there. <laughs> and, you know, having worked in the industry, you know, from the standpoint of seeing the changes that are taking place, what are your thoughts, I mean, yeah. on the industry and the evolution that it's going through? Sure, sure. I mean, I think there's... I mean, I think the key word here really is efficiency, right? Mm-hmm. Um not only social media, but anything related to, you know, something that you could get on an app that you would have to otherwise take hours and hours to achieve. Um, if an app can basically distill the time it takes for you to do something from an hour to five minutes, I think you should take advantage of it. And I think the industry is finally catching on and seeing that, you know, there was a ton of paperwork involved in a lot of other processes. Approvals were incredibly hard in the past for marketing materials of any kind. Mm-hmm. You know, not only does social media make that a lot better, but any sort of other app efficiencies when they come in will, you know, streamline these processes and not only save time for the advisor, but for the firm. And so everyone's catching on and they're all just moving forward in that direction. That's And it's so exciting to see that, to be yeah. part of it, I think. Absolutely. So one of the challenges in the industry, and this is something that we talk about, is this uh, massive wealth transfer that we're looking, uh, is very likely to happen over the course of the next two decades as the baby boomer is now slipping into retirement. Uh, Gen X millennials are kind of going to constitute the largest share of the workforce. Um, as a matter of fact, I saw a statistic that was pretty interesting that two-thirds of the population in the United States was born after 1964. And part of that is just the birth rates, but the part of it is a large share of immigration that this country has seen over the course of the last you know, couple of decades. Um, as a result, we've got a lot of new talent. Uh, people who are digital natives who have only worked in an environment with the internet. Uh, we're finding less and less people who remember a world before the internet, at least in the working world. And so that being said, I was curious about your perspectives as if you were sitting down with the human resources department at some of these firms that we work with, what kind of skill set should they be looking for when it comes to recruiting new talent? Adaptability, productivity, somebody <laughs> <laughs> in digital age. It's a good question. Yeah, I guess digital communication, um, the ability to communicate effectively and also fast, like very fast and quickly on digital media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would, I would definitely agree that that's digital savviness is like, it's really hard to measure. But I think being on social media is kind of one area where you can like quickly identify somebody's level of proficiency there um so yeah i agree with you austin i mean you probably also need to have a linkedin profile or some sort of social media presence i don't think anyone really certainly (laughs) 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 it's the first thing we look for yeah i mean 
think a lot of people have told me, I mean, when they're looking for new candidates, they basically run a LinkedIn search for them mm -hmm. immediately. And so if you don't have one, then it's sort of like, where are you? Who are you? <laughs> the be findable person. Are you a real person? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very commonplace to just share your LinkedIn profile rather than yeah. sharing a resume. So mm -hmm. it's really shifted to being digital in, in that regard as well. <laughs> well, I'll tell you a, a story. Uh, years ago when I was looking for work um, after leaving the financial services industry and I remember applying in the Silicon Valley to a number of different organizations and if the organization provided a LinkedIn like in other words you could upload your resume directly from LinkedIn I thought okay that's good and progressive but a couple of I saw a couple of jobs that were really interesting and I remember going through the process and then it was they weren't allowing for a LinkedIn upload. And so I wouldn't even apply because I said, if you are not progressive enough to make me be able to be very efficient in saying all my information is on my LinkedIn profile, it's all there. It's even better than a resume, yeah. right? Because I talked about the volunteer work and the things that I did and my education and the groups and associations if you really wanted to get a better picture. So it was, I was like, I don't want to work for you if you're not going to allow for that to happen. Uh, so yeah, a lot of changes are taking place in the industry and we see these challenges that are taking place as far as looking for you know, fresh new talent coming on board. Well, talking about talent, both of these folks, Wei Fong and Austin, <laughs> were actually voted by their peers as being most impactful in the customer success team and, and our customers. We do these awards um, you know, twice a year and we vote on who's really helping the, the team and the industry and both Wei Fong and Austin uh, were awarded recently at our customer success offsite. So oh great. Well congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. Cash prizes I hope. <laughs> <laughs> and brand new car. <laughs> Not that you need one here in New York, right? Oh no. Uh, well congratulations. Thank you. That must have felt good. Well and it came from a peer, right? It was yeah, a peer yeah. peer award. Exactly. Wow. So high performing. Good. Yeah. We'd expect no less. Yeah. <laughs> keep it up. Keep it up. <laughs> So speaking of, I mean, how do you measure success? That's a great question. How do you guys measure your success? Um, Peer, peers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as long as my peers don't think I'm a slacker, I think, <laughs> I think that's great. Uh, uh, personally, I think, at least in my particular role, there are some quantifiable metrics that we use, whether it's the first-time response when responding back to a customer, how satisfied um, they are, in my particular response to them, if it was helpful or not, um, and just being able to uh, get through a certain volume of tickets on a quarterly basis. And, and some of those things are definitely uh, key in my role. Great. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of, I think we all do a really great job of setting extraordinarily difficult goals for ourselves on a quarterly basis. And I think no, I don't want to say that I'm like a super like write down on paper what my goal is I'm going to hit it like if that's all I'm going to do but I think it does provide a nice framework for like the types of things that you're trying to accomplish on a quarterly or even weekly or daily basis and so I think having really having a good sense of where you want to go um, and whether you're actually achieving success not only for yourself but also for all your customers whether they're very happy you know whether they feel like you know some burden has been lifted from this you know owner's on taking of like moving towards a new product a new digital age mm -hmm. I think that gives me a lot of satisfaction and I think that contributes to you know what my philosophy of success is. Awesome. 
Um, my counterpart, Sarah Peterson, who oversees the customer success team on the West, um, we spent a lot of time with um, finding out how we can measure social value. Because at the end of the day, these enterprise companies, they want to make sure that their, their advisors are actually increasing their production and they're actually getting more clients and prospects um, into the door. And so we are looking into details about how do we measure the maturity of programs? How do we make sure that, you know, the B grow here say is turning into production and mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure it's a profitable business for them. Well, that's great. Well, before I let you go, I got to ask you the three questions. Eli would be very upset if I didn't. Can you please share with us your favorite color, your favorite movie, and your spirit animal? All right. My favorite color is orange. My favorite movie is The Godfather. And uh, I've never really thought about a spirit animal, but I guess like a rabbit. All right. My, my favorite color is green. Um, favorite movie is Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> and uh, Spirit Animal. I think I took a quiz recently and it, it told me that uh, my spirit animal was a honey badger, so I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> honey badger. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Um, my favorite color is coral. Um, my favorite movie is uh, old-time favorite, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> Watched it a ton when I was growing up with my brothers. It's very nostalgic for me. And then um, a favorite spirit animal, not so, quite so sure, but when I was little, everybody would say, choose an animal that starts the same letter as your name, so I always chose a kangaroo, although <laughs> I learned that kangaroos are quite nasty. <laughs> um, so that's not all that awesome, but I'll stick with kangaroo for consistency. But I think they're nurturing. They're nurturing, and they look so cute. They're very cute. So very cute. cute. So if people want to contact you, I know, I think we're all on Twitter, so yeah. if that's okay, what's, yeah. what's your handle? It's a WZHU 2009. All right. Yeah. Um, Austin underscore Lenny. Very easy. Yeah. And it's Kazab. K-A-Z-A-B. Kazab. And of course, I'll include this in the show notes, but I really want to thank you not only for the work that you're doing and supporting our customers, but here in New York. And congratulations, you two, by being recognized by your, by your peers. And Karen, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having yeah, Thank you, Victor. Thank you. Okay, so joining me here in New York, and this is like family, because the two of you were all in the marketing team, we see each other occasionally, you guys were both just recently in San Francisco, so I have Amanda and Molly, who are part of our marketing team here, so why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourself, we'll start with Amanda. Sure, Um, my name's Amanda Sider, and I'm the Senior Events Manager at Hearsay Social. Um, Basically, I run with um, all of our events, So all of our external um, conferences, our customer roundtables, our big summit event, and really just make sure that all of the uh, T's are crossed, I's are dotted, and uh, all those logistics and details Mm -hmm. are all in uh, my wheelhouse. Cool. And I'm Molly Degman, and I'm the event coordinator. So I take on some of the events myself and work a lot with um, our customer events, with our CS and sales team, and then also support Amanda on some of the larger events, including Mm -hmm. the summit that's coming up. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, but you didn't start in events. You actually started here. You opened you opened this office right here in New York. Um, yeah, so I started as the seventh um, employee in our New York office, and now we're at 26. So I've seen it grow a lot, which is very <laughs> cool. Um, and when I started, like Victor said, I was in an office manager role, so I helped to grow the office. So it was very um, awesome to see all of my hard work uh, pay off. Mm-hmm. So we started in Midtown, um, and then we moved down here to our Union Square office. Um, it's a little more techie vibe down here. It's more our scene. Um, yeah, and we just got the better office. restaurants, better restaurants, and better restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, all the important things, and yeah, so I got to see it grow substantially, which has been really awesome. And it's cool to see the people that have stayed here for a long time, and cool to see all the new people coming in with different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. It's been awesome. So speaking of background, I know you're not originally from New York. No. Right? You are from? I am from kind of all over. I'm, I went to high school in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have lived in Kansas and Connecticut, um, and I was born in Minnesota, so I guess I went around the circle back there. So mm-hmm. I'm a Midwest girl. Yeah. Well, and we, for those of you who have been listening to the show, you'll recall early on, especially in the show, regarding the Minnesota Interactive Marketing Association, <laughs> and you and I have had this discussion about the Juicy Lucy and the Burger Quest. Yes. Yes. So I have uh, to thank you very much. That is still by far the best burger I've had in the entire country. So it's been I agree. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> now, however, you and Ada are from the New York area, right? The metro. I am from Long Island, born and raised, and um, went to school down in Baltimore and came back to New York, and I've been living here ever since. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm in the East Village, but before that I was all over the city. Mm-hmm. Mostly so, on the east side though. Yeah. So I was telling the group earlier, every time I come here there's this uh, this energy. It just it, you just sense this energy that it just comes from New York and you can see it in the skyline. And I was telling you guys you guys gotta slow things down. It just too no. go, go, go sometimes. It feels that way. So it's kind of a lot a lot of energy. So what was it that uh, brought you to Hearsay Social? Um well, for me, I was uh, looking for an events, full-time events position at a, another fintech company. Mm-hmm. Um, my background was that I worked at a company called Second Market, did um, start off doing their marketing and events, slowly transitioned into doing events full-time. And then um, before I left there, I was concentrated on um, our Bitcoin efforts. Mm-hmm. And I took on more of a marketing, PR, social role and I really wanted to get back into the event space. So um, I found this opportunity and I just thought it was perfect. So I had exactly everything I wanted to do. Um, And then as I was interviewing with people, just everyone I met with was passionate about the company, about their job. And um, I I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better place to work. So uh, most like the people. And obviously we have a product that I believe in so um, things like that make it um, very rewarding coming to work every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what was your entry into? So um, my dad actually works for one of our customers. And so, really? yeah, so when I was going through his LinkedIn profile, this is my first company from college. So I was going through his LinkedIn connections, trying to see <laughs> who he could maybe set me up with. Um, <laughs> good, good. So he was connected with his hearsay customer success person on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I reached out to him and I said, this looks like a pretty cool company. Could you put me in touch with your, this person? And, um, he was like, I don't, I don't know if I like know her well enough, but I'll put you in touch with our marketing department. And I went out to lunch with the, um, 
it, it, uh, the admin from that company and she put me in touch with Hearsay and the rest is history. Wow. And it ended up, um, actually the hiring manager here in New York had was also a Villanova person and I graduated uh, from Villanova. So that might have helped me a that, little bit as that, well. That does help. <laughs> yeah. I do have a preference for UCLA Bruins myself when it comes to the uh, interview process. That was, you know, I, I know that's probably not the right approach, but certainly I mean, we get great people and it just happened to be from, you know, UCLA. So it works out. Exactly. So that's interesting. So, you know, congratulations to your dad's extensive LinkedIn connections right? I know. and his network. So great that kind of helped Good out. Job, that is actually how I got connected to Hearsay Social through LinkedIn. Um, someone I used to work with, they um, had a relationship with someone in our HR department. I mm-hmm. saw it on LinkedIn and they set my resume in and months later I got hired. <laughs> hey, so right We're there, if anybody's questioning the ROI of social media, we just illustrated <laughs> yeah. two great examples of yeah. how it helped at least uh, launch and continue your careers, if you will, here at Hearsay Social. Um, switching gears and talking about event, I know the two of you, as you mentioned, you do a lot of our event event planning, and there's a lot of planning that goes into creating you know, great events. And we also have some partnerships with people in the industry that are really focused on financial services, focus on the insurance world. So can you tell us a little bit about some of our partners and some of the events that we we operate throughout the year? Sure. So we have um, strategic partnerships with um, in the U.S. with uh, LIMRA and in the life insurance space and then SIFMA in the financial services space and then um, with EFMA out in Europe. Um, I focus uh, mainly on U.S.-based events. We have another, we have a marketing person out in um, Europe who does majority of their events. Mm-hmm. And um, with these, um, the LIMRA, the SIFMA partnerships, you know, we do a lot of their, um, any kind of like social media conference they put on. Um, they, those um, target mainly like their, their marketing folks, their, people in charge of their social media campaigns and mm-hmm. Um, then we also do their like annual events, which are more senior audience, um, lots of round tables with them targeting their partners, their um, partners. So um, their relationships with them are very solid. You know, we use that leverage their uh, members to, you know, help with business and help our sales guys. So it's been great. Mm-hmm. It's been a great partnership, and we're really excited because uh, we had interviewed uh, Nora Denley of Limra just recently after a research briefing that they had released, and earlier, one of the earliest podcasts we did was Stephen Selby, both of Limra. We work with him weekly. Yeah, (laughs) and in the conversations that we had with them, we were really excited because their social media uh, conference is going to be in San Francisco this year in August. And so we're excited. We're already planning for that. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're excited about the fact that they'll be in our hometown. It just kind of gives us, I think, a little bit of a home field advantage because traditionally this uh, conference has been in Boston. So oh. it's nice that it's going to be in the West Coast. Nice for us that we don't have to travel. Yeah. So we can actually just go up the street. And, and you guys just had that. SIFMA Social out there. Yeah. You know, Limer think, Social. Well, and people love coming to San Francisco. Right. You know, they just love coming out there and, and such. Although I really enjoy oh. coming out here. I'll tell you, I prefer coming to New York this time. Of year. Yeah, yeah. I, say, I don't really love leaving New York when it's nice out. So this mm-hmm. August trip to San Francisco, yeah. <laughs> much better to go there when it's like yeah. March. <laughs> sick of winter. Well, you would know about cold weather, right? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs>
Okay, so I've been asking everybody this question, so I'm kind of curious from your perspective. What is it about the work that you do that you love the most? Um, for me, I love going to these conferences or um, hosting our customer roundtables and getting to engage with our customers. You know, a lot of positions at the company, you wouldn't necessarily get to interact with them. And I just love hearing their perspective and their happiness with the product. Um, it's always nice to have people tell you how much they love you. <laughs> so that's wonderful. It feels good. <laughs> we, we literally sit, for instance, we were at Gamma in March this year, and people were just coming up to us. We had some, like they were just coming up to us, telling us how much they loved us, how they used us, and they're our best advocates. So we actually were talking to a potential prospect or a prospect and in the background you just hear someone yell we love you here say social <laughs> and that was like perfect timing we did not pay them people just tell us they love us so it's that great. feels good yeah definitely. that feels good well i think one of my favorite things and this is something that i i give you both a lot of credit for is you know from the, the advocacy standpoint um we're really trying hard to develop and build a community and that community is the community of our clients, the people that we work with on a day-to-day -day basis, but it also lends to the community that we've developed and it's been assisted through some of our partnerships. We mentioned Steve and the folks out at SIFMA who've been extremely helpful in, in helping foster, if you will, our entree into this industry and now looked upon as a partner, looked upon as someone who understands this community. And I think with, as we do more and more events, I think we've become a fixture you know, so there's that expectation that we'll be there. Um, we're getting more invitations to participate at our own client events, which is exciting. So as they have conferences that we're going out there. Oh, Molly is well versed in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've come to a lot this year, which is oh, really yeah? awesome. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things about um, doing the events is working with our customer success team and the sales team and talking to them afterwards and saying, oh, we had this many people sign up for the product today. Mm -hmm. It's really awesome to be able mm -hmm. to like see that people are actually signing up and using our product based on our events that we're putting on. Yeah, we did something really unique that I got to participate very early in an event that we had done with one of our clients uh, out in Denver. And uh, it's it, same thing. There, there was uh, a couple of sessions where we went up and we actually spoke to the value of social and how it's working. And the nice thing about having such a wide variety of customers that have now been using the product for quite some time is that we have their stories to tell, you know, specific success stories where they can attribute it to a social connection that led to either um, assets being brought in or a contract being written. And so as we go to these events and you present that, you talk about it, you know, you look out to, into the crowd and you can tell those people where the wheels are starting to turn, you know, and they're going from a skeptic, they're skeptical, let's say, or not unsure if it's really right for them. And then they're convinced that maybe this is something that they want to want to try yeah. and so immediately they'll come out to the booth and they start asking a lot of questions but I think our website's been doing a pretty good job of answering some of these our customer success has been really good in growing adoption um, so what role do you think from an organization standpoint these events play as far as uh, hearsay social on our brand and, and positioning um, I think it's definitely you know we have a big brand presence at these conferences mm -hmm. Um, you know, we not only sponsor it, but we speak, sometimes we'll host dinners. So we're there and um, people definitely notice us. So um, we're definitely attracting attention from prospects. And then just also um, building on those relationships with current customers. I think it's super important um, getting them out on the town, you know, 
getting them dinner and just engaging with um, multiple members across different teams. Mm -hmm. So, And it's great to say to your point about the community that we're trying to create, there's a lot of the same, our same customers are at certain dinners and they've gotten to be friends with each mm -hmm. other and they're excited to see each other at our dinners, which mm -hmm. is another cool thing to see that we've kind of brought them together and form this little community of hearsay people. Yeah, I saw that. Um, it, there was actually two events where that took place where I was really, you get a sense that we were creating this community. One was right after the Limra uh, social event in Boston, we had a dinner there and uh, we had uh, Randy Zuckerberg who came and she was there, she was signing copies of her book. That was a great event, great cookies, yeah. great cookies, oh, yeah. right? That these uh, hearsay social kind of labeled uh, branded cookies. That was the first time we introduced the cookies. Oh yeah, people yeah, couldn't get enough of those, yeah. <laughs> I had, to, I had to take I had to take one home and then I had the kids fight over it to see who uh, who loves here say more and you get the cookie you know? <laughs> um, so that was a great event and then the other one was uh, when we were here for Sifma Social in New York and right after that we got together with a number of our customers it happened to be my birthday the next day so that was yeah. kind of a pseudo it was nice of you guys to partner up with Sifma and do an event yeah. in honor of my birthday so did that we was sing really happy nice. birthday to you at the conference? Uh, you did it wasn't until midnight the conference okay. was actually on the on the 6th and then my birthday was on the 7th so uh, happened to just stay up until midnight, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, just right there in Wall Street, which is always a lot of fun. So developing and, and fostering and, and building this community has been a lot of fun of this. And I think that the events do a, a, a great job of kind of bringing these people. And, and what I think they find, and I'm curious about your take, is that they share more in common than differences. So, they, so what's fascinating to me is that here's an industry that is very competitive be it insurance or asset management or wealth management, they compete very much with each other. But we've often said as it relates to social that there's a willingness, you know, because they do share that commonality of the challenge, either convincing the you know, senior executives above or right. rolling it down. Compliance mm -hmm. challenges and just even onboarding, like mm -hmm. how to get everyone engaged and using it. So that's why those round tables are so helpful because it's a small group and they're all able to just talk to one another about it. Like, what are you doing at XYZ Company? I'm doing this. What's working? What's not working? So mm -hmm. they're extremely helpful. Mm -hmm. So good job, Victor. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, it's, it's, this is, it's hopefully, if anything, these podcasts and spotlight, spotlighting, if you will, the various employees and the people we have, whether it's in product or engineering or if it's in customer success and now, you know, sales and looking at other departments, is that it's this like the whole of the parts that really you know or the, the individual parts that make up the whole mm -hmm. i guess you could say that you can't look at any one group in a silo that there really is a lot of collaboration and yeah. i think the new york office is a great example of this because um whereas our san francisco headquarters office is is very large and we've continued to grow that this office as as large as it been as large as it's grown if you will as you had said earlier molly is we're kind of at the, at the seams. Right? It always oh, seems yeah. like every time We're I come, it's like, to each other. we, we need more. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I come and visit, and I was fortunate enough, I guess, to get a desk, and that's only because the employee who is sitting there is in jury duty, right? Yeah. So, so they gave me an in so I can actually have a place to sit. Um, but exciting to see insofar as that this office, I'd say, with sales, with customer success, with marketing, am I missing anybody? And the, the occasional engineer who's here on mm -hmm. call, very collaborative, you know, right. extremely collaborative. It definitely forces us to be collaborative, which <laughs> I think is, it's valuable. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, my observation, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, is that this office works very hard 
but you also play hard, right? So right. you, yeah, you do. <laughs> it's always fun. So we're I all work, work, work here. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. it's, it'd be hard not to play hard when you look outside and you know, know. you've got Manhattan here. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Definitely have our local watering holes that we go to. <laughs> yeah. So you know, in talking about the industry and and looking at the future, one of the questions I've been asking, and I'm just kind of curious on your take, is that the industry is really challenged in looking for new talent. Um, with the demographic shifts that are taking place, and this is a lot of the subject that we talk about with the advisor of the future, um, I was asking you know, everybody the same question is, if you were to sit down with an HR director or recruiter at some of these financial services companies, what kind of skill set do you think they should be looking for in order to be able to serve this next generation of investors? Um, definitely someone who's social media savvy. Mm-hmm. So that's really important. Um, I think someone that's willing to break out of the traditional mold. Mm -hmm. I think that it's hard um, when you have everyone that had been that's in your current company doing what they've been doing time and time again, and it's time to change, which is why hearsay is around. But I think sometimes it's hard to find those people that are willing to break out of the traditional mold. Well, it falls. You know, I think that we at Hearsay Social, I love the two words. They always seem to come up in every presentation. We really are disrupting. You know, there's a lot of disruption. I think it's a real buzzword in Silicon Valley and San Francisco. But I think the second one, and as you had mentioned before, we have a summit that really dedicates itself to the idea of innovation and really looking at uh, challenging the status quo and having people reframe their business and look at how they can embrace digital technology, make sure that they're staying uh, competitive in the 21st century. Um, so before I let you go, and I, and I already prepped you for this, so I hope you've been thinking about it. Uh, Eli has started the tradition now that when we do any sort of employee spotlight series, and I really love it, we're asking everybody to share the three things that they share on their first day of work, which is, uh, or at their first team meeting. And that is your favorite color, your favorite movie, and this one somewhat new because it wasn't when I was around, but the spirit animal. Uh, so I know that one's always a challenge, right? That's always the hardest one. So anybody want to want to give it a go? Um, all right, I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> Favorite color is pink. Mm-hmm. Favorite movie. I actually have two, but I'll only give one. I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. The other one's Rudy. Rudy? <laughs> oh, sports, both sports More oriented. Rudy. Yeah. yeah. It makes me cry. Um, um, and then Spirit Animal. Um, I'm good. I'm going to say a monkey because they're fun and playful. (laughs) And you're so playful. (laughs) Yeah, monkey's good. I can see it. Yeah, I can see it too. Um, I am a blue or green girl. Mm -hmm. Um, I think green more so. Mm -hmm. Uh, My favorite uh, movie is Love Actually. Big rom-com fan. It's It's a little more rom than com, but um, it's a good one. Classic. And my spirit animal, I told you this beforehand, and I'm just going to stick with it. I think I'm a butterfly. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that I've so gone through a lot to get where I am through my cocoon. What's it, what's it called? Um, cocoon? Oh, your cocoon. Yeah. You broke out of your cocoon. Yeah. Social? Well, I'm going to throw another question out there. Okay. What's your favorite restaurant? So, I'm a foodie, so that's what mm. I'm asking. Oh, so, okay. San Francisco restaurant from Victor and New York restaurant from Molly. Wow. That's a good question. Well, you know, can I go outside of San Francisco, actually? 
Because, no, no okay. <laughs> For all uh, our listeners in these I'll keep it cities. easy. I'll say um, in San Francisco, wow, that's a good question because there's so many choices. Uh, I, mean, I have a favorite restaurant in San Francisco. You do? Okay, yeah. which one's yours? Beretta. Beretta, okay. Yeah, I don't think good. I've been there yet. Well, there's a, you know, it's not, it's not a big deal, but the, I really like, there's this place near the office, and I don't go there enough, obviously, it's called, I think it's called Victory Parlor, so I'd have to actually look that up. Victory Hall. Victory Hall, yeah. that's it, Victory yeah. Hall, and they have a good chicken and waffle, and oh, okay. the only reason why I like it is I took the kids there, and they Delicious. loved it, so <laughs> nice. uh, it's kind of a safe choice right now, but if I was going to go, if you were going to let me go outside of San Francisco... Okay. Um, I had a great meal in Las Vegas at this place called Rose Rabbit Lie, oh. and it's in the Cosmopolitan Hotel. The meal was so good that I've already told Kim, who made the recommendation, she'd been there before, that we can never go back. We can never go back because it would never be the same experience, right. and yeah. so I'd rather just remember it that way. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. How about yourself? Um, I think my favorite restaurant in the city is Dan Social. I love um, tapas and ha- being able to try a bunch of different things every time I go and eat somewhere. I love Stanton Social. I also really like Nye, which is a Spanish tapas restaurant in the East Village. Mm-hmm. And I hope I'm not giving away my secret of Nye because it's never too crowded and it's really good food. Oh, well. So everyone don't go, but maybe try it once. Well, they have live the... flamenco dancers there. Yeah. Oh, so. wow. Well, with the millions of our listeners, I'm afraid that <laughs> it will never be the same experience I'll for never you be sore. either. Well, that's great. I like that additional question. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, well, I'll tell you mine. What's yours? Yeah. <laughs> so I've won in each category. Um, do you want me to list? No. Um, I would say overall favorite place. It has to be some place that you, you can go to, you know, any night of the week. Um, mine would be Frank. Um, so in good. the East Village, mom and pop Italian restaurant. Okay. Amazing. I could eat there every night. write all these down. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've done little Frankies. I haven't done Frankie. That one's a good one, too. All went by the same people, mm-hmm. including supper and sauce. I'm getting paid to say this. Promoter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I have a feeling she's getting a little back end there for that. Having free yeah. drinks for dinner tonight. Exactly. Free appetizers for life. And anything else? Any other place? Other places? Oh, God. Oh, we could be here. That's a whole other show. Yeah. That's a whole I can list of 400 restaurants <laughs> yeah. in the city. Yeah. Well, I, now we know who to. Who hasn't. Um, who needs a place in New York, something that's fun and a little touristy, but it's so delicious, Italy. you got to make your way over to Italy. Okay. They've so made different, like, different restaurants within Italy. So. She started like the restaurant Stefan. You know what I mean? Saturday Night Live. I know. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> yeah. Okay, we can, we'll have to do a whole separate podcast with Amanda to share all her insight on New York City. Oh, so I could go beyond New York City too. All right, so where can people? <laughs> oh, beyond. Oh, oh I could so do. We could all, we're gonna have a whole new show now. Seriously, Miami. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Oh, I can build that easy. We'll just engineer that. It'll be kind of a hybrid of our show. All right, so if people want to find out and get a hold of you, uh, Amanda, on your choice restaurant picks, where can they find you on Twitter? I am at Amanda Cider. Very easy. Okay. And how about yourself? <laughs> and I am at Modegs. Um, M-O-D-E-G-S is my high school nickname, and I never got rid of it. So. Wow. Well, and it's a good one. <laughs> so I want to thank the two of you, not only, like I said, for the work that you're doing to really spotlight Hearsay Social at these events and really um, get our brand out there, but for joining me today. 
problem. Happy to have you here in New York. Yeah, good to be here. Okay, that's it. So, Rudy. So I'm back in San Francisco now with Eli here at the uh, world headquarters of Hearsay Social, kind of recapping, if you will, two weeks worth of visits to New York. Um, And so Eli and I were just kind of catching up, and I shared with him, as I shared earlier in this podcast, that this is a two-part series. So part two will be released next week, where we sit down with both uh, Mike and also with Connor uh, on a podcast that we recorded that it's kind of a standalone. So if we had... uh, bridged it, Eli would have ended up being a two-hour show, so. That's a bit long. <laughs> it would have been long, yeah. But welcome back, yeah. Yeah, no, it's been you know, great. You look, you look pale. A pale? When people come back from vacations, don't they say they look tan? But you went to New York, so I can't say you look tan. Yeah, because I was working the so whole time. Yeah, you no, I didn't. look pale. It was so much fun <laughs> to be out in New York. I mean, if you've, anybody's gone out to visit, and I know we were out there together last year, there's just so much energy. I oh, mean, yeah. you just, you just kind of thrive on this energy. And I wasn't kidding when I was telling the New York staff, you know, it'd be so noisy, you gotta like, yeah. people are just always like, go, 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 go. And yeah. it was just kind of nice to go and, and spend some time with them and just kind of feed off that energy. I came back totally inspired. Sure. They're a really tight knit team too. They I are. I mean, you know, it's funny cause San Francisco, you know, the cradle of the small startup, everyone mm-hmm. working in the same atmosphere office atmosphere. And while we do have the open office floor plan, our San Francisco team is much larger than our New York team. Mm -hmm. Then you go out to New York and there they all actually are, you know, shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow, you know, really working in close quarters. And it's it's really cool. Yeah, it was it was really great. And I think you'll enjoy next week's show. Uh, But before we end today, we just wanted to do a couple of things. So check the mailbag quick. You've got mail. We have mail. We have mail. We've got mail. You've got mail. Um, so, so we do have mail. Um, Mika writes in mm-hmm. asking this question, who would win in a fight between a grilled cheese sandwich and a taco? Hmm. <laughs> um, now, I'll let you answer first. I've had more time to think about this question than you have as I've seen it already. Well, I know what the actual answer is because I know where this is coming from. This is from a movie. Ah. This is from Hot Rod. Yes. Uh, did you, did, have you seen it? Yes. Okay. So you know what the answer there was, right? I know what my answer is. Okay, well, the answer in the movie is if it's a straight-up fight, the yeah. grilled cheese would win. But if it was prison rules, then the taco every day. I see. Right. <laughs> so that's a really tough one. I um, I think it'd probably be a little like the Pacquiao Mayweather. It'd be kind of, you know, not little, much of a fight. Little, and in the end, it'd end up, uh, yeah, it'd yeah, end up a lot of hugging. Points. And uh, so, in the, But I still, I'd have to say, I think the taco would prevail. See, it's... I've got to disagree. Mm. I think it's uh, I think it's a pretty easy TKO for the grilled cheese, and here's why: is mm. that grilled cheese is built to hold together, right? Mm. Mm. All the pieces of it are put into heat and fire together to make it stick. Whereas mm. tacos are kind of loose, you know, fall apart easily. Yeah, you know, they're yeah. all separate pieces, kind of smushed together and not really, you know. Well, it depends what kind together. of taco, though, right? I mean. 
if is it a soft taco is it a hard taco does it have beans because beans could be kind of a like a glue and it kind of but i you know you're beans turning me slippery you're turning me on the subject i think i'm you know i think grilled, i'm leaning that towards that grilled cheese really holds yeah it really brings the <laughs> sandwich together yeah. does it not dude yeah and i just keep thinking this is quality podcast and i'm sure all our financial services listeners are loving this well look <laughs> you can add this to uh-huh. some of your you know your questionnaire forms sure for your customers yeah, and really go. get a sense of are these the type of customers you want I, I think what this illustrates Eli is that we'll take any question we will take and any we will question. answer any questions so please so remember, thank you Mika for writing in with questions shoot us any questions comments anything you want to hear anyone you want to hear us interview we will literally answer almost any question you send uh, that is on air at hearsaycorp.com is the email Ah, uh, you know what this means. I think I do. Ronnie Walk. So we do have an update from Ronnie. I know that last week we didn't have one, so he has made some outstanding I, yeah. progress. I've heard he's been trucking. He or- has been. He is. Uh, the latest update had him in uh, in the state of Illinois, which is where I used to live. Uh, he was in Carlisle just recently, yeah. and he's fast approaching St. Louis. So he should be in St. Louis. Man. Uh, shortly in a few days uh, which then gets him into Missouri so he's you know I would say almost like in my mind he's halfway there, but no, he's still got a long way to still go. Still got a little ways to go. Yeah. You got to remember how big the West is. Sure. When you really get yeah. into it. But uh, the progress he's been making, and he wrote a very inspirational Facebook post uh, that he distributed about his thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. after a thousand miles, after doing this yeah. for two months. Um, very poetic, you know, very kind of a narrative. And he's been reading a lot as he's been walking. But just what I took away and was very inspired was. Uh, his uh, his stories, you know, we knew he was going to have a lot of stories and he's been staying with families and he's been out there and he was just basically talking about the good in people, the beauty of nature. I can't wait for him to get back to San Francisco and bring him back on the show and really just sharing, you know, hearing more and more about these stories. But it's outstanding progress. So we invite you to uh, follow along. We've been posting some photos and updates on our Facebook page. That's the Hearsay Social on the air Facebook page. You can also follow any of the updates on Twitter using hashtag RonnieWalk. Okay, so um, before we uh, close, I had an idea, Eli. Um, Uh Yeah, you know, and I got this idea. idea? Well, I don't know. I think it could be. But uh, I listen to the show multiple times, once when we're recording it, then mm-hmm. when I'm editing and such. And I realized, as I'm sure many of our listeners have realized, there are certain words and phrases we use a lot. Absolutely. Very interesting, <laughs> right? Uh, what was some I of was the other just words? curious. Leverage. Uh, yeah. uh, let's shift gears. Yeah. And so what I was going to propose Ronnie is... Walk. Well, Ronnie, that's okay, a that whole segment. Count. But what I was going to propose is maybe we should come up with the hearsay social on the air bingo. I like it. You know, because the fact is we keep repeating a lot of these words. And I found myself thinking, I'm not only am I repeating a lot of the same words, I'm repeating a lot of the same stories. Right. So for those listeners that have been with us from the beginning, we apologize for using these words over and over. I guess they're just crutches for us, right? Yeah. We just have it. Mm. So, you know, so maybe we'll come up with a bingo game or so and, you know, 
prizes for you guys and such. I love it. So I encourage everybody to check out the show next week, which will be part two of the Empire State of Mind podcast series showcasing our time in New York, where we're going to interview both Mike and Connor and uh, continue capturing, if you will, the sounds of Manhattan. So stay tuned for that. Sounds good. So we want to thank everybody for sticking around and listening to this very special podcast. It's uh, It was a little longer than most, and that was because we really just wanted to capture this whole atmosphere of the time in New York and capturing all the sounds of the city and the subway um, all over the place. So stay tuned for next week's show. I think you're really going to like it. So I'm Victor Gaxiola. And I'm Eli Miniker. We'll see you next week. Still sipping my tie, sitting courtside, Nicks and Nets give me high five. Nigga, I be spiked out, I could trip a referee. Tell by my attitude that I most definitely leave from. No.